1: Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Ronald Norwood with us to share the game. Coach Norwood is currently an assistant coach with Charlotte Hornets. Previously, he served as the head coach of the Long Island Nets of the NBA G League and as a high school head coach. He's also served as an assistant coach at the collegiate level and at the G League. And many of you, of course, recognize him as the former point guard for Butler during their final four runs. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Awesome to have you with us. I appreciate it, Chris. You know, I don't know if this
0: says more about or less about me and more about you, but I have like, anybody that knows me knows I have like 5 million podcasts that I listen to, literally a list of 50. And you are my one basketball only podcast that I listen to. So it's an honor to be on and uh, looking
1: forward to sharing the game and and talking some hoops with you. Well, honored to have you on as well. And unique to you is that you've coached at all levels. And that's what we're going to dive into a little bit to try and support coaches kind of at all levels, but you've done it all.
0: Yeah, it's been quite the journey since I graduated from college. I started as a head high school coach, my first job out of college at Brownsburg High School, just west of Indianapolis, actually where my former teammate and current player, Gordon Hayward, went to high school. Then I actually coached very quickly at the University of South Alabama and before Brad Stevens got the Boston Celtics job and allowed me to come with him there. And then from there, I went back and coached college for a year. I did two years with the Celtics, and then a year went to Northern Kentucky University. After that, I was fortunate to get G League head coaching job. And then for the last three years, I've been in the NBA exclusively with the Charlotte Hornets.
1: So what my curiosity is, is what have been the advantages for you as a young coach, former player, young coach, developing, having been a head coach and an assistant coach? Because that's unique. A lot of coaches just follow the path of assistant all the way.
0: I think, you know, especially as a young coach, and I really like to take some of this time that we have to to talk specifically to young coaches, but the opportunity to be a head coach, there's nothing like it. Like there's nothing that can replace it. Honestly, being an assistant just doesn't compare. I think you, as an assistant, you, if you want, if you aspire to be a head coach, you prepare the, the best you can. You watch the head coach, you learn the game as much as you can, learn what it takes to be a head coach. But when you get in the seat, it's just, it's different. I was really fortunate to be a, head coach right out of college. And I got thrown in the fire right at 22 in the state of Indiana and in the biggest class of Indiana against some really, really good coaches. And obviously the same as the G League. And so that was a great experience. And those experiences taught me a lot about being a great assistant as well, because as a head coach, what it felt like to have great assistants and to have not so great assistants. So it's given me kind of a good window in, into all of it, all sides of it.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That you learn the good, the bad, and then obviously what you want to keep, and that's a big part of this process. And we're going to talk a little bit about each level, but we're also going to talk about kind of the overarching learnings from all the levels. And let's start with that. And I know one of them that's a big takeaway for you and many is relationship building. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, I don't think there's anything more important in coaching basketball. I think we're getting to the point in basketball where like the coach being the coach isn't enough, right? And we have to get to know our players. We have to be organic about developing relationships with players. The amount of information that's out there that players at all levels, high school, college, G League, NBA, middle school, elementary school that they have gives them just a different base to where we have to dive in to get to know them. And if we don't do that, then they will attach to the people that do organically get to know them. The thing I've learned just at being at all levels is players at all levels can can see who's being real and who's not. And... You know, what I've observed is those that are not authentic, aren't real, don't develop great relationships, don't keep their word to the players, don't do everything they can for the players. The players just, they move on from them. And so it's so important. I think that's the number one thing at all levels. And especially again, for young coaches that are just trying to come up or just trying to learn or are in roles right now that aren't assistant coaches or head coaches. It's so important just to, to watch the coaches that do a great job relation relationship building Um, figure out what that means for you and be yourself and building those relationships with players. Um, you know, I'm a young guy, I'm 31 years old and, you know, I coach players that are older than me. I I coach one of my own college teammates right now. Um, and so I can't be who some other coaches can be because that's not who I am. I have to be who I am. And uh, I, I don't think there's anything more important these days than, than doing the best you can to building great relationships.
1: It struck me as you're talking, like, obviously, we want, we want to seek to understand, seek to understand their music, their views of the world, whatever it may be, all those things. But I think even more important than that to start with, the best relationship builders are curious, right? You're a curious learner. And in knowing you just a little bit, I imagine that's your persona. You're a curious learner no matter what you're learning.
0: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I love to learn. I, I think learning is the foundation for, for growth. And, you know, again, like, I'm still learning how to develop great relationships, even with our own guys. Like, there's, you know, you know, I think we're, let's see, we have 10 games left in the season. And, you know, there's some guys in our team where, like, there's certain relationships that are just starting to grow. And that's become that's coming just because, observing them, you know, I, the thing that I try to do is relationship building is not overdo it. Like, I'm not going to be a guy that's, like, always in the player's face and want to talk to him all the time. Like, I, I like to observe him. I like to watch him. I like to, you know. I give my jabs to players, uh, you know, which which is fun at times. Um, when I need to, I coach them. When I need to, I back off when I need to. Um, but again, that comes from just observation. That comes from being curious in who they are and, and learning about them, um, because it's
1: ultimately not about me. Talk to me about backing off, because that's a hard thing to learn, isn't it? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, and I. I, I
0: I, I've seen coaches that ha- don't back off. And I, I try to do my best not to. I, again, I'm, I'm very far from perfect. I know there's many times where I should have backed off, especially when I was a head coach, um, that I should have backed off and I did not. Um, so from my own experiences and, and and observing other other coaches that have just been on, 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 and always in the player's face, to be quite honest, it wears them out. <laughs> and um, so to be able to, to feel that, to see that, uh, I guess to have that emotional intelligence to say, you know, you know what, maybe I'm a little bit too, a little bit too much right now. You know, I need to give the players some space. Um, I think is a really important um, attribute to have. Um, and, you know, the other thing is to surround yourself with coaches and be on certain staffs where coaches are going to tell you the truth. Hey, man, like, I think you were a little strong that time. I think you've been a little strong for a couple of days. Hey, just let's give the players some space today. Um, I think it's really important.
1: That's so important to have someone to be able to say that to you that you trust as well. Uh, And moving into one of your second points is obviously the importance of development. And I'm imagining both as a player and now as a coach that you've experienced success through player development and a focus on development, right?
0: No question. I think at all levels, right? You think about high school and um, how important development is. The high school that I coached at, Brownsburg High School, you're getting players from from Brownsburg, the town. Like you're not getting players from anywhere else. And so, to create um, obviously development for your players in the high school, starting ninth grade all the way to twelfth grade, but also the the, the five year olds that are in your town, they're coming to be your players here in the next couple of years. And so, um, I learned that as a high school coach is just creating a development program for youth, um, for elementary school, middle school, all the way into high school. Those players have to get better so they that when they get to you, um, you know, they're playing the right way. They're playing the way that you want to play, and uh, college. Obviously, you're recruiting, right? Um, You want to find players that fit your system, fit who you are. But the important thing is those guys get better over the time from when they're freshmen to seniors. And so, again, how do you create an environment of development? In the G League, that's all it was. Like, it was literally don't even worry about winning. Let's just get these players better. Those are the players that are on your team. Those are the players that are uh, playing for the NBA club and are coming to play for your G League team and, and giving them the space to improve. And then the NBA, I mean, you know, player development has been the thing. In the NBA, you know, we're getting kids at 19. um, They're young not a lot of experience at this level, the professional level. And it's so important for them to get better. And so development, you know, as I've been through all of them, that's been like the string that's gone through all of them um, is your players have to get better. And so how do you think about creating that environment to allow the players to get better? And that's on the court. That's off the court. That's, you know, that's mentally, that's physically, that's spiritually, emotionally, all of it. Um, You know, player development isn't just about what's happening on the court.
1: Well, and it's so important. Like this isn't a knock on past generations because as you already referred to, this generation just has more resources available to be able to get better, right? Whether it's on YouTube or whether it's through us giving them film or them on their own or they're working with trainers on their own. So they just have more access to it because I, I believe player development has been the biggest change in basketball, really this focused intentional player development that's happened. And again, you've seen it at all levels impact the game.
0: Yeah, no question. The, the, other, the other piece of that is, um, you know, players, a lot of players have um, people they're working with outside of their coaches. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Some people don't like that. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the important thing for us that are their coaches for their teams is to, number one, connect with those people that are, that are working with our players outside, right? But also, you're going to have to work and understand the game enough that your players are going to trust you to come to you and trust you to help them develop. If they're just going outside, that's a problem, right? If we're able to connect to what's happening outside, and know how to develop our players well enough that they're going to also come to us, I think we're doing it right. And so, um, I think these days, if you're again young coaches, like if you're if you're looking for an edge, be a great development guy and understand how to help players get better. And, you know, that, I, I, that also goes back to what we talked, the first thing we talked about is relationship building. Um, you know, players want to work with people who care about them. And um, if we're not building those relationships with players, they'll just go to the people, they'll work with the people that they know care about them.
1: One of my favorite topics to talk to, uh, especially with people like you, is this concept of noticing progress. Because the most important part, once we're into player development, is that your players are realizing that that player development is leading to them improving you know their ability to be able to play the game in some way. Can you talk to me about some of the things that you've done over the years to be able to notice progress?
0: Well, I think one of the um, one of the easy things to do is is tracking. Um, and I, I've learned this from other coaches that I've worked with is is having a system where, especially maybe think about shooting, Um, having a system where uh, you have specific things that you're going to work on with each player to shoot the basketball um, and to improve their shooting and um, using just spot shots or whatever the case may be, whatever you want to use to track players over time. Um, Obviously, the the science now says if you're just doing spot shots, that's not enough, right? We have to, our development has to look like what happens in a game and a game, we shoot from different spots. So as we develop, we need to shoot from different spots. But if we're working on a certain skill with shooting specifically, we need to measure how that is improving over time. So I think, I think that's one easy one. Another one, and I, I, I'm not sure we do this enough, is, is the feedback from the player, is getting the feedback from the player. So we're working with a player, we're working on um, a, a defensive, something on defense, right? We're able to watch them over time, um, you know we feel like we can see them get better. Where do they think they stand? Do they think that their rotations are better, that they're seeing the game better, that they're defending the ball better? Um, I think we can we can understand their progress from what they bring to us when we're sitting down watching a film with them. Hey, how did it feel in this time, right on the court? Do you feel like that you're getting to this rotation better um, I think those are two ways, tracking and then just getting feedback from the players um, are are two ways that at least I've used um, to watch that progress over time.
1: Well, I love that second point because I think that's that's sometimes misunderstood that it's almost more important that the player believes they're getting better than even the reality because that obviously leads to self-efficacy and these different things that are going to manifest over it. But the other thing that I wanted to build on there is ask the player also applies to what I found is if you teach them something – you ask them, hey, do you feel this will help you or this will work? And often what we think will help them, they might not. And a quick example would be a counter dribble. One player might like behind the back and another player like between the legs. Do we care which one they like or which one they choose? No question. No question. It's the same with shooting. Like You
0: know, I'm, I'm working with a couple of guys now on our team, and – I think I'm a great coach and I'm just going to help them become the best shooter they can be. And I have all these great details that I want to use for their shooting. And they're like, I, I don't really like that. Right. That doesn't really help me. Yeah. shoot, Right. And when I'm a, when I'm in a game that doesn't feel natural to me. And so, you know, this may be different. Obviously, this is uh, age appropriate. Uh, I'm working with professional athletes right now that have been doing this for a long time. Um, but you know. It, for for our guys here, it, it may be better to work what feels right to them and to improve that, as opposed to try to do what I want them to do, um, because ultimately they're the ones that play, and they they're the ones that have to feel great about their own improvement.
1: Sports culture takes take line has it all. Take line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your pods. Coach, have you heard of Locker Room? Locker Room is live audio-only sports talk. It's free to download and to use. And you can talk to me and other fans and athletes and insiders in real time. I'm now going live on Locker Room on the Locker Room app every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, where I'm going to have real basketball conversations. It's perfect as well for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news, where you can share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is to download the Locker Room app free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league or group that you want to be a part of. You can follow me on Twitter at B-Ball Immersion to be notified when my room goes live. We'll be going live on Locker Room Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Join me on Locker Room. Well, I'm curious even how you approach it. And and I think this applies to all levels in this sense is how do you approach it then? Because I used to always try and frame it for the player that he listen. This is what I see. This is why I think you should try this. Let's try it for a few repetitions and then let's get some feedback back and forth and see how you feel and not like get to an immediate, immediate judgment, because as we know, with shooting, for example, like change takes time. So are there different things that you've done over your time to be able to help them understand that this is a process and you're not magical, you don't have this magic power?
0: Right? No, I, I think what you said is exactly it, right? Like, again, this all comes back to the relationship with the player. Um, and so yeah, that, that's exactly And if, if we're trying to change something, it's, it's obviously going to, it's not, probably won't look great in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so being able to trust the process, continue to work the details, um, I think is important. Getting that feedback of how they're feeling through the process um, is important. And if it doesn't go well, or, you know, we're working on reps where they're just spot shooting and we're working on those reps and shooting. And then we do some movement shooting. And then we move to play two on two, And you know we're still working on just focusing on the shooting while they're playing. And then we move to five on five. We're still fo- focusing just solely on that point. And it's not clicking. Maybe there's something wrong with the points that we've that we've been working on, and we need to make another adjustment. or maybe it clicks right away, and then we, and we and then we run with it. Um, again, I think it's the relationship with the player, understanding what they do well, what they need to do well to play. And then you're, you're, you're working around that plan.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you started, you connected but always back to the relationships and that's great. And uh, talk to me a little bit about coaching players as, as if they're all NBA players.
0: This is the thing that, um, so like I said, I, I, I was in, I was high school, college. I went to the NBA my first year with the Celtics. I was with the D league at the time of the main Red calls. Then I got to be player development with the Celtics. And then I went back and coached college. And going from coaching professionals to coaching college and seeing how you know a lot of a lot of college coaches around the country, and then looking at high school players when you're watching AAU or you're watching high school games, whatever the case may be, um with high school players, they make your team, right? You have tryouts, they make your team. With college players, you recruit them. Um in the NBA, those guys all make. More money than I can ever imagine making, and there, you know, it, it is a player's game. So there's a certain way in the NBA that you have to treat the players and communicate with the players. Otherwise, you have no chance. That's not necessarily the case in college and high school. It should be the case, but it's not necessarily the case just because of the nature of the uh, the level. But. My thought has been, when I left the NBA and I came back to college, if you treat and coach every player as if they're an NBA player, you are going to maximize who they are as a person and maximize who they are as a player. Examples are, if we talk down to an NBA player, they're going to have nothing to do with us and they're going to win that battle every time. That doesn't mean we don't coach them hard, but you can, you can talk down to a high school college player and they just keep clicking right along. You can't do that with an NBA player. Um, you have to have evidence of what you're coaching them towards in the NBA. If I tell one of my guys, um, hey, I need you to do this move or think about this move because you didn't do it really well here, they're going to say, let me see it. First thing, let me see it, right? If we're in a film session and we say, uh, so-and-so, you did not get a contest. You know, you contested five out of uh, ten times, 50%. They're gonna say, "I want to see all ten that you're that you're grading me on." So we have to show them film. It's, it should be the same thing in college and high school, right? Let's give our players the evidence, not just tell them what, but give them the evidence and, and show them the film and walk through the film um, with them, right? And so I think, again, thinking about this, your player, your high school player makes ten million dollars and has the ability to get you fired because they make so much money and they're gonna be around for a long time and you know, I always say to to friends in high school, or especially in college, when they do the starting lineup, the loudest cheers for the college head coach. In the NBA, the NBA head coach gets announced last, and is like they like barely say his name, right? <laughs> right? And that and that's how it is. It's the nature of the beast. Um, and so, just thinking about this player makes ten million dollars, and I have to get him or her to be the best player that they can be, without demeaning them and without getting fired. How would you do it? And that has helped me. And that helped me when I went back to college, but it's also helped me be, even in the NBA, uh, just thinking about how I would want to coach my players.
1: I love this. This is, this is brilliant framing of a mindset for a coach. And I could not agree more. This is modern coaching. The other part that I want to ask and have you add to is the other part of coaching, like you're coaching an NBA player, is that they do crave coaching, right? They do want you to coach them. This isn't like you're scared and you're not going to coach them, right? And that's what sometimes this misconception is that NBA players want to improve, right?
0: There's no question
1: about that. I mean, these guys are
0: the best in the world for a reason, right? They want to get better. They want to know, you know, like you you think about the best players. Like there's times where, you know, we're in like a uh, meeting with our players and we're going through a scouting report and they're like, you can just see them like itching to find out like, what do we need to do against this team to beat them? Right. And we're taking a while to get there. And they're like, come on, give us, give us the information. NBA players want to be coached. Coaching, coaching every player like an NBA player is does not mean taking it easy, becoming their best friend, you know, um, telling them always what they want to hear. That that's not what that means. What it means is, if you don't know them, if you don't spend time with them away from the court, uh, if you don't understand what makes them tick, uh, if you don't understand um, what they ultimately want out of their careers. Um, All those things that go into relationship building, what type of music they like, what type of food they like, where they go to eat, what they do with their friends, what they do with their family. If you don't understand that and you don't tap into that, the rest of it is irrelevant. And once you get that with a player, the other thing that's important when coaching an NBA player is you got to know what you're talking about. If you don't know what you're talking about, the systems and strategies, the tactics, then again, they write you off. And that was what was really cool about watching Brad Stevens go from Butler uh, to the NBA is that he had the humility to know it was not about him. He developed great relationships and he knew what he was talking about. And so people were wondering, would it work with him? Yeah, of course it would work with him because he has those three attributes. We have to have those attributes with all players. If you're a high school coach, the humility to understand it's not about you. College coach, it's not about you. Um, to build a great relationship with players and have an idea and a pulse
1: of of of, of the content. You can help, help all coaches, but young coaches, especially here. What happens when you don't know an answer? Like, obviously, you don't want to BS them with an answer. But as a young coach, sometimes you don't know. Is it OK to say, hey, listen, look, here's what I think, but I'm going to check this for you? Or how do you phrase it for a player?
0: Chris, it happens to me once every other game. Right where I might miss something in a game or I might miss something in a practice where the players ask me a question. You know what? I, I think it's this, but let me go check with this other coach. Maybe the coach that had the scouting report or something like that. Um, not, I, to me, that just shows, again, I, I think authenticity is the most important thing. And that shows that you're authentic and you're real. And the players understand it's okay not to know. If they think that you're BSing them, consistently, especially, and listen, I think as times, as coaches, we BS the players, like we have to, right? But if that's a consistent thing and it's not real and they they pick up on it, then again, I think, especially at this level, they write you off in the NBA. Um, And so, you know, for young coaches not to know something, it's okay. Let the player know, I think it's this, I don't know, I'm going to find out, I'm going to get back to you as soon as I can. And players will really respect that. I really believe that.
1: That's great. I'm glad you framed it for everyone to understand that too, because humility, as you said about Brad Stevens, but that applies to all of us as coaches. Even the best coaches in the world don't have an answer for everything all the time. (laughs) No question. No question. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about being great where you are, because look, I know this is kind of a little bit of a cliche for younger coaches or assistants or whatever, but it's really true. But give us an understanding of what that truly means about being great where you are.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I. Again, I'm a young coach. I'm 31 years old. Like, I wish I had it figured out, all figured out. I don't. I've been really fortunate to be at all levels, pretty much. Uh, You know, I even coached um, eighth grade girls basketball when I was uh, in college. And, um, you know, we're all trying to understand how we can get our next job. And I used to be the worst of them, right? Trying to just figure out every little window I could be to get my next job. And got to a point, number one, where that was tiring. Number two, where it never worked. Um, And I got to a point where, okay, I'm just going to go into this job. I'm just going to work it really hard, and then we'll see what happens. And a lot of good, for me, has happened since then. But I'll say this. um, My first job out of college was, like I said, coaching high school at Brownsburg High School. It was probably the one place where I didn't have a direct connection, although I did play with Gordon Hayward, who went there. Um, but that was it. That was my only connection. Gordon didn't like talk to them or anything. So that was my, my, my one South Alabama, the guy that hired me there. Um, I played for him at Butler. That's why, that's why I got there. The only reason I'm in the NBA only reason is because of Brad Stevens, Right. I, you know, I played for him as a player and, you know, he knew my capacity, but I'm in the NBA because of Brad Stevens. That is it. I got the college job when I went back to college because of the guy that I worked for at South Alabama. I got my G League job um, because when I was in the D League, my first year in uh, with the Celtics in Maine, I developed some good relationships with some of the scouts that were scouting our games. And they saw me work out players on the court. That was like five years before I got the job. Uh, I got the job here from the, from the G League job because a guy that worked for the Brooklyn Nets, I was on the Brooklyn Nets staff, worked with the guy that's my current head coach. I, I have had to work and try to do my best at each job I'm in, but I have not gotten these jobs because I've just been like seeking them out. I have only gotten them because I try to do the best I could where I am at that time. And I've been very, very far from perfect at it, but I know that every job has come, has, has come because of that. And I think it's so important. There's coaches that are like, how can I get to the NBA? Uh, Young coaches, how can I get to the NBA? You know, how can I get on a college staff that are in high school, that are in college, whatever the case, that are in the NBA trying to get to other jobs? If you do really, really well where you are, those are the people that vouch for you more than anyone else, right? Some people ask me for references, people that I know, I, I will refer you. And you know what? I can speak to your character and I can speak to who you are, but I don't work with you every day. The people that work with you every day are the ones that can tell your future employer how well you work, how, how much of a joy you were to work around, and how much work that you put in. No one else can do that. And so if you're great where you are, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you in your future opportunities. Um, I'm, I get antsy just like everyone else. It's okay at times to be antsy and to be ambitious. That's okay. But that can't take away from the work of where you currently are.
1: Talk to me uh, more more than even the initial contact, the initial build of the relationship, say where you start a relationship. Talk to me about maintaining that relationship because that's almost the most important piece. Like I go to a clinic, I meet a head coach, he gives me their card because he's nice. Like it doesn't necessarily mean anything in that moment, right? Other than they're doing their job. They're they're networking for future possibilities for players, et cetera. But I have that contact what should I do then as a young coach in terms of maintaining that?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll be really frank, like I, I'm really not good in that, that yeah. area.
1: I don't think many um, of us are.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Like that, that's, why, that's why everyone asked the question like at every clinic, right? Like how do I, how do I continue to do that? Um, you know, I, to me, if there's someone I don't know or someone that I connect with, I always think about what connection, what direct connection or something specific um, can I connect with this person on? So, uh, just an example that I'm making up. If I connect with, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a GA or something like that, and I I connect with a, with a college head coach, right. I'm going to do my research to figure out as much as I can about that college head coach. Um, I grew up in Alabama. I'm a huge Alabama football fan. God forbid this head coach grew up in Alabama and was an Alabama football fan. You better believe I'm going to find a way to make that connection with him. Mm-hmm. Not at the time, but down the road. If I see him again or over email or whatever the case may be. So I think find
1: things if, in what, common that you have and continue to nurture that, right? 100%.
0: That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the way that I go. I don't know if it's the best way to go, but that's, that's what I think is important. Um, because when we find common ground, um, it really is the catal- can be the catalyst that allows a relationship to grow.
1: And just to add to that, obviously through the podcast, I've developed a good network of people that I didn't know before. And to me, another suggestion, which I love your idea, and I need to do that more, is this idea of milestones, right? Like starts of seasons, ends of seasons, somebody achieves 100 wins or something like that. It gives you a reason to reach out that's not... I don't know, for lack of a better way, it's not creepy. I'm not actually looking <laughs> right. for a job, right? I'm not trying to date right. you. I'm just trying to stay in touch. And I think that's another part that makes it a little bit easier. If you follow the coach and you kind of see, hey, here's a moment. Oh, they just won their 100th game. I can send them a quick thing and say, hey, congratulations. By the way, Chris Oliver, we met at boom, boom. And just a reminder or, hey, Chris Oliver, I'm an Alabama football fan too.
0: <laughs> right. And you said something I think was good. Um I'm not trying to get a job, right? If we can develop those relationships at times where it's not, I'm just looking for a job, right? Like, okay, so-and-so, one assistant coach just left and took another job. Now this coach has a job open. Now I go all in. Well, it's too late at that point, Yeah, right? Developing those relationships, again, to me, as you've heard me say, everything comes back to authenticity. So developing authentic relationships that are real, that maybe don't yield you anything ever, I think is the best way to go um and again like alabama football is important to me so even if i meet a coach that loves alabama football i would love to have a job from him but the only thing we connect with is alabama football that's good enough for me that's if that can be good enough for you then i think you can be okay
1: right because you never know where that goes in the future and the other thing that i want to add to that is those coaches know you want a job like that's, right, that's right, <laughs> there's, that's there's right. no head coach that <laughs> realizes that somebody you know that you want a job like Brad stevens right. offers you a job you want a job <laughs> No, question. you don't have to tell him that (laughs) that's exactly right. That is great stuff. I'm glad we're getting into some of this. And the other part of that goes with this seeking your, well, doing the best job you can, where you are, I'm curious as both an assistant, as a head coach, you can speak to this, how do we know our head coach is supporting our future possibilities, our development as a coach, and then. You know, knowing that we want to grow and continue to improve.
0: Yeah, I think w- when you're seeking jobs, that that has to be, uh, find that information out, right? Like, um understand um, what potential role and responsibility you will have. Um, I, I think that's part of it. And, and being honest about where you want to go in your career as you're seeking a job. When you get the job, um, as a head coach specifically, I think, Development of our staffs are really important. I think at times as head coach, we neglect that, um, and it's because we want to win. and so at times uh, and a lot of times unintentionally, um, we are just getting work from our staff, getting getting the information for our staff so we can try to win, and we're not giving them enough back. Um, and so I think setting up uh, really clear expectations for your staff, um, asking them, where they want to go, asking them what it's going to take for them to get there, what, what they think as an assistant, what do they think it's going to take for them to get there, trying to do your best to support that. And then over time, uh, growing their responsibilities the best you can. You, all, you, you can't always, but uh, growing their responsibilities the best you can over time, and then constantly checking in with them to see how it's going, or what more could I do for you? Um, I think an important thing about being a head coach is serving your players and serving uh, your staff. And so the way we serve our staff was, was we helped them get better. And to be honest with you, we help them get better jobs. And so how we are really clear about their roles and responsibilities um, and how we're going to hold them accountable to those and how we can allow them to grow within those roles, I think are really important. Um, and as an assistant coach is this, you know, again, as you go into the job, find the coach that you that is gonna allow you to grow. Um, ask the right questions as you're doing the interview, or whatever the case may be. and then when you're in the job, uh, just continuing to check in. Hey coach, uh, you know I, I appreciate you giving me this responsibility. It's going really great for me um, if there's ever an opportunity for growth, I would love it. it may not be right now, it may not be in a, in a month, but even next year um, and and I think just being really clear about that and and developing that really that feedback loop, um,
1: will, can help you from both sides, head coach and assistant coach, um, to grow. Like not being needy, but it's okay to go to your head coach or your mentors on the staff. And we'll talk about that in a second and ask them for feedback, right. As an assistant.
0: Yes. I I think that's important. And, and, you know, we, we all want to get better and it's hard to get better without feedback from the person that's giving you your role and responsibility. So I think the, the biggest part comes from our head coach. And if you can find a head coach that uh, will be clear about feedback and giving you feedback. Um, and as a head coach, having specific times in your calendar, there's a lot you're doing as a head coach. But the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year, we're going to have specific times when we sit down to, for feedback. And we're going to have feedback, obviously, throughout the year. Uh, I think if we just wait to the end of the year, then we've lost a lot of opportunities for growth for our staff. Um, and so, as an assistant coach, finding someone who will do that. But even if you don't have that as an assistant coach, uh, just being able to go to your coach and um, asking them. The thing about feedback is you have to be very specific. Go into a coach and say, "Hey, coach, what do you think I'm doing well? What do you think I'm not doing well?" That's not good enough, right? The coaches, the head coach is thinking about a million things. Go in there and be specific. Hey, coach, I just did the I just did a walkthrough, or I did a, a film session with our team. Can you tell me how you think? Uh, my voice was for the team, like that specific to get feedback. Um, because otherwise, you know, it, you're you're just you're you're speaking in the
1: clouds. I love that example. That specificity of learning that applies right there. That's 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 great. What a great example. The other thing you you referred to that coaches have this macro view and assistants have this more micro view of things. It's also to your benefit as a young coach to find a mentor but the mentor is probably not the head coach because we said that they're approaching things from this whole macro view and they don't necessarily have time. So to seek an older assistant or a peer to be your mentor that isn't the head coach is just as important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, very important. Um, I, I think we have, as assistant coaches, we have to give each other feedback. And the, the great thing that I love about our staff here with the Charlotte Hornets is is we do exactly that. Sometimes it's in a funny way, Uh, where we get feedback. Uh, I I seem to get a lot of uh, funny feedback from some of our staff, which is fun, but um, especially for the younger coaches, right? Um, If you are, speaking to NBA specifically, if you're a video coordinator, if you're a GA um, in college, if you're just starting out as a young uh, freshman coach in high school, uh, whatever the case may be, you're a video coordinator in the G League, finding an assistant coach that you can go to um, where you're getting that consistent feedback is really, really important. Um, I always think I f- find an assistant coach to latch on to. Um, a lot of times that, that becomes a sign, video coordinators working with a certain assistant coach, whatever the case may be. Um, number one, working really hard for that assistant coach and you know, consistently asking them for feedback, I think is super important. Um, and then from your peers, sometimes the best feedback you can get. I do a scouting report. There's other guys that are doing scouting reports and we can help refine each other and help each other get better uh, by communicating what we're doing well and what we can improve at a little bit after we give our scouting reports. We do that from time to time here um, on our staff at the Charlotte Hornets.
1: That's tremendous. Uh, Great, great insights into the collaboration that can exist and can help a young coach develop for sure. And, Coach, we're going to get a little more specific into levels, although, you know, you've touched on some of these points, but we want to dive deeper into let's start with the high school level, which is obviously our dominant audience is high school coaches. So talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you would do and emphasize at the high school level.
0: Yeah, I talked about just that that development um, with the community. I I think that's that's so important, right? Those the kids coming up, you know, I, I was only a high school coach for one year and so. The high school coach that listened to this have far more insight in the high school basketball coaching than I do. Um, But what was really fun, what what has been fun is to see some of the kids that were like in fourth grade are now going to college basketball. (laughs) And just to see their growth over time has been has been pretty cool. Um, A thing that happened just organically, I didn't even try to do it, was our staff um, when I was a high school coach. We had such diversity of thought. We had we were a big high school in Indiana. We had um, we had a guy who was uh, a dad that we brought on staff. I was a young coach and needed you know some help with just parents. And so he had coached some, some youth, but he had he hadn't coached high school before so he was just a dad. That was his first time coaching high school. Um, we had a guy who had coached small uh, school. Uh, we were four a Indiana goes one a, two a, three a four a. We had a guy who was coaching who had spent a lot of time coaching like two a basketball. Um, and just had a really good, really good thoughts on development. We had a guy, our, our JV coach, who had just been a JV coach for a really long time. And a guy that was a freshman coach that had just been freshman coach uh, around Indiana. And all came from different areas. Um, none of us were had been together as a staff before, but that diversity of, of thought, this is for high school, but this is really for, it can be for every level. That diversity of thought, we, we used to have some knockout and drag out arguments um, in our office. But our players were so much better. Our team was so much better because of it and because of where we brought in our, our different perspectives. Um, I thought that worked really, really well at the high school level. The other thing that worked really well for me and I, and I think is important, um, and this was on the cusp of social media. Like social media hasn't taken off, hadn't taken off to where it is now. But at that time, we made it a point to monitor what our players were putting on social media. And I don't know how many high school coaches do that, Um, or our college coaches do that, but as coaches, obviously there's, you know, our our players legally can do and say whatever they want on social media, Um, but there has to be a standard for our team to be a part of our team, and it's our responsibility to help our players grow to be great people, and to help them understand how to uh, properly use social media I think is something that when they graduate from high school and they go to college and then you know they grow up to be great, you know, grow up to be adults, um, will be something that they can take with them for the rest of their lives. Um, And I'm not sure who else is doing that for them. Um, You know, maybe their parents, maybe not. But we're teaching our players everything else. We're teaching them how to be, you know, a great teammate. We're teaching them, uh, we're we're giving them accountability. We're teaching them how to be, you know, I I said it, but team first. uh, You know, we're teaching them how to give all they have. Um, all, all these different attributes. We have to teach. We're teaching them to be great students um, in the classroom. Right. We have, you know, uh, we have academic standards for our team. We got to have social media standards for our team as well. Um, and we had that. And when I was a high school coach, some guys didn't play at times because they broke our social media policy. Um, and it was much more strict than any other anybody else's social media policy. But we thought that was really important for our high school students uh, to learn and understand.
1: Yeah, I mean the idea of setting standards so important, just in terms of education-based learning for your players. And the other part, uh, I want you to just expand on a little bit more. You talked about development of the youth in your program in your community, and I got to think for a high school coach that's if, if you have that opportunity to be able to develop a f- you know feeder system or a ladder into your program, that's got to be huge, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's huge. Um, I, coaching, coaching, you know, the guys and girls that you have in your high school, obviously, is very important. But again, you're talking years and years and years down the line of what you want to be, continued success uh, for uh, your your team, for the individuals, um, and just for growth in general of your program. And those kids are coming next. Um, We did a thing we called Sunday clinics when I was a when I was a high school. The other thing about the other thing about uh, developing the youth is how fun is it for a fifth grader to get the opportunity to work with the high school coach. Like that is, that's awesome. I remember when I was in fifth grade and my high school coach like spoke to me, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And so I think it's important to do that, to make that connection with the youth when they're young. So they look forward to the day that they get to play with you. Um, But we did a thing called Sunday Clinics. We did it for a couple hours on Sunday. It was a little bit of a fundraiser for us, but it was mostly about development. And we came in on a Sunday for a couple of hours, me and uh, one other assistant coaches, some of our staff would trickle in from time to time. We uh, bought a bunch of goals that we could uh, lower the goals. And we had from, uh, we had like two groups. We had uh, from kindergarten, I think to maybe sixth grade. And then we had, uh, no, I'm sorry, kindergarten to fourth grade. And then we have fourth grade to eighth grade, two groups that came in. And so we had goals that kindergartners could shoot on all the way to, you know, goals that fourth graders could shoot on. And then, you know, uh when when fifth through eighth came in they shot on the regular goals but we did at one hour clinics we did two hours on a sunday all we focused on was fundamentals fundamentals of the game how do you dribble how do you pass how do you shoot um and and we talked about being great teammates and all the character that goes into that and it was amazing for our youth and it was honestly amazing for i got to know so many kids in the city of brownsburg and the kids that wanted to play basketball and made those connections That They came to our games. I saw them at football games on Friday nights. Um, I think those connections that you make are so important when you're a high school coach. Um, So again, like I said, so that your players will develop, develop, they'll know how you want to play, but also they're going to be excited to play for you one day.
1: This week has tons of sports action as the MLB NBA and NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs Including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online, on your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for the summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American Style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy, each order from Kansas City Steaks is a flash-frozen, and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse quality meats from Kansas City Steaks. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to kansascitysteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. That's kansascitysteaks.com, code SD, kansascitysteaks.com, code SD. great doug novak and myself have this conversation all the time about exactly what you said that we feel that having the ability to still coach at camps to coach young kids has made us and helped us improve more than anything we've ever done as coaches and i know he continues to coach at camps and i've always continued to coach at camps because it's that time well first of all it's a little bit of freedom for you as a coach to be able to experiment and do some things a little bit differently and then secondly The kids teach you so much about how you're teaching, right? When they don't know what you're talking about, you get instant feedback and you go, wait a minute, look at myself in the mirror. I'm not coaching this the way that connects with them. It's been so fun to do that. And I can understand why you enjoyed it so much.
0: That's exactly right. And and to be honest with you, that's like the, the thing that I miss about being in the NBA is you just don't get to do that as much.
1: Well, I feel for all, you know, all assistants who are restricted by rules and are not allowed to coach outside, you know, of their program, say a youth team or something like that. I feel for them because again, it's it's just not the same. You don't have this outlet for your creativity and for your mind to be able to make mistakes and learn from coaching. And that's the challenge, isn't it? That's exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. Talk to me about college then. We talked a little bit about it, but let's expand on this point that less is more.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about, like I said, I left uh, the NBA and I went back to college. I've coached college. So I guess you could call it twice, really one one full season. Um, But I have a lot of friends that coach college basketball. Uh, I know a lot of coaches in college basketball. And the thing and and I I say this in comparison to the NBA for college coaches in the NBA, we can waste no time, no time uh, because of the nature of, of the game. Right. We we obviously we play a lot of games. Um, we get to a point where we don't we're not able to practice a ton. and so when we do practice, we have to be very specific um, with our time. Our players, we, we play so many games, so our players' bodies are beat up. We have a lot of guys that have played for a lot of years, so we can't just run them into the ground. So the efficiency of time is super important. Um, I think this is when I think about college basketball, when I hear college college coaches talk to me or I even remember playing in college and hearing about what some of the, some of my friends that were playing college basketball. Say to me, is we have time in college basketball and we use all the time and, and sometimes go over the time that we have for the week. Um, the other thing that we do is we over schedule our players in college ba- basketball in NBA. We can't because we don't, they live their own lives, right? Well, and because it comes own, back to
1: your point that you talked about about coaching them like pros, right? 100 that's exactly right.
0: Um, when they're on the college campus, we have them, right? And I think at, at times uh, in college basketball, sometimes it's really good. But we talked about this before: knowing when to back off, like less is more. Like, how do when we come in when when we're coaching college basketball, we think about all the things that are necessary to win, and 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 just keep it there and focus on those things. You know, there's times where we have two hour long meetings, we have three hour long shoot arounds. You know, our practices go. Forever. And then, you know, we do wait for a long time. And then we meet with our players again for a couple of hours. And then they have study hall. Right. And our kids, they have no life. And, um, and they're burnt out by the end of it. There's one, there's one school that I have in my head that I think for the first semester of summer school, they don't even, they tell their players to go home. Right. right. To me, that's less is more. That's fantastic. Right. We didn't do that at college. We were at both summer school sessions. Um, and it was great. We were a good team. We all got to be together. There were a lot of benefits to that, but I can understand how beneficial it is to send your players home for the first session of summer school and bring them back for the second one, right? To allow our players to get away, to not be burned out. Um, And again, just to focus on the things that matter the most. When we do things that don't matter the most, we're just wasting everyone's time.
1: This is spring for people that are listening out of our timeline. This is spring in the NCA and I'm seeing social media posts from practices and I get it it's a ca- it's just a small portion of the practice but I'm seeing people put on social media that their players are doing defensive drills in the spring and I just can't imagine how we don't sometimes look at that and go you know what players do not want to do defensive drills in the spring they want to compete so play offense versus defense and let them compete want to play 5 on 5 but if we're really thinking about the mental health of our players to do a full year of defensive closeout drills you know what? I, I as a player, I would be questioning that at this point too, and saying, "Do I really want to be in this program that's doing that?"
0: No question, I, and I think that goes back to humility, right? Like it's it's just not about the coach. At times, there's so many times um, within the season. This is for college. This is for all coaches where we make it about us, right? And that, right, that what you just said to me, that's about like the coach, right? It's like uh, we're going to do this defensive drill because that's what I want to do. And our players are just miserable. And you know what? They're in college basketball, so a lot of times they're not going to say it. They're just not. But they're going to go home to their, they're going to tell their parents, they're going to tell their AU coaches, they're going to tell each other. They're going to tell their friends, man, coach had me doing defensive drills today and we don't play a game for another six months, right? And listen, I am like, I love defense. I love coaching defense. Don't I have nothing, love defense. Don't. nothing against it, right? As a coach. But there are appropriate times to focus on again, like give our players some space Like, what would they like to do? Our players want to play, right? They've been hearing us. They, you know, they we've been coaching them for forever. It's the same thing in the NBA. That's the great thing about the NBA in the summer. We can't mandate our players to be in the gym. Our players can do whatever they want by NBA rules. And so we have to find them where they are. Right. And there's times in the summer where I do a defensive drill, but guess what? I'm doing it for like maybe two minutes and I'm going to ask them, hey, we're going to do a defense drill. Like, you need to get better at your defense. Are you good with me doing this? All right, great. They say yes. All right, let's knock it out real quick. It's going to be quick.
1: And really, right, you're but just doing not about it. Me. Yeah, but you're doing it also to connect them to something. You're not That's doing exactly it right. as that in that moment, you're going to get better. I just want to connect this. So you start thinking about this when you're playing five on five or playing three on three in the offseason, right?
0: That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. And that's Um,
1: cool. Do that all the time.
0: (laughs) All the time. Right. But to to do it, to do it, or to do it because, and and I think this is a big thing is like, we do things because we feel like other, other schools are working harder than we are. And I take, I go back to that school that, you know, sends their players home for a semester, right? You guys can work harder. We're going to work smarter. Our guys are going to be friends. And this is, this is what I think is important in college basketball. This is what we did at Butler. Uh, everywhere is not Butler. I, I hold Butler to the highest standard because that's where I went and I loved it. But the whole philosophy was we want to be the freshest team in March. There was a reason that we went on a couple runs to the final four, right? Because we were so fresh by the, by the time the season came around and we got to go against some teams that had been just getting beat down with three hour practices and doing a bunch of extra stuff, um, for the whole season that we had fresh minds, fresh legs, and we were able to focus just on winning, nothing else. Um, I think COVID exposed some of this, right? Because in COVID, we were all figuring out, what do we do with our teams, right? And so we spent all day on Zoom with our teams. And we all got to the point where we hate Zoom. Everyone hated being on Zoom as a team. And so um, there were some schools that said, you know what? We're not going to overdo it with our players. We'll Zoom every now and then. We'll give them some stuff they can work on. you know, we'll figure out when we get to play another game. And when we figure out when we play another game, we'll start building a calendar around that to allow our players to, to improve and to work towards being ready for the season. That is the way that we have to think
1: about it. Well, this is great. And again, it's not meant as criticism, but it's meant to say, is there a better way? Because my niece recently played college basketball and I looked at her schedule and I was around her kind of hearing some of the stuff. And I'm just like, she never had a chance to be a person, to be a human being. And I'm like, these are human beings. And you wonder why sometimes kids aren't happy because they never get a chance to explore themselves beyond the schedule of basketball. And you're absolutely right. And we're not talking fresh physically. We're talking fresh mentally as well. When you yes. talked about your Butler experiences, the last thing I just want to add, which I want you to build on a little bit is when I consult for NCAA clients and you talked about COVID and the pandemic and how that's helped them, the biggest thing I try and get them to understand is to remove fluff. Like, if you want to improve their, you know, mindsets and all these, remove fluff, remove stuff that wastes time. And the pandemic really helped people understand a little bit. Some of the stuff they're doing wasn't as important as they thought it was, you know, because you couldn't do it. (laughs) That's right.
0: That's right. No, no, that's, that's good. And, you know, the, the pandemic has obviously been devastating for, for a lot of reasons uh, for many people. Um, But that, that was a piece of it as a college basketball coach. You could only do certain things, right? And, uh, you know, at times we would have our players in the gym all the time, lifting in a bunch, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And it's been fun. It's been, it's been fun and really interesting to watch how some businesses are pivoting because of what has happened in COVID. Oh, so we don't need to have people in the building all the time, things like this, right? What are our pivots that we've made as basketball coaches? moving into, obviously, we just played a season, but even moving into next season um, that we learned through the pandemic.
1: The other part is player-led development. Is It's placed an emphasis for us as coaches to get our players to lead themselves more. And I believe that's a positive, and I believe the best programs do that. And again, working from your hierarchy down, down, coach them as NBA players. That's part of it, isn't it? You have to no, trust that's, that's- that they're going to lead themselves.
0: 100% that they're going to put the work in. And I, and I think with that, like at, at times, I think we make the mistake as coaches to say, our players should just be in the gym on their own, right? And, th- and we leave it at that. But we don't give them the tools uh, to think about what that means or the tools to what they should be doing when they're in the gym to give them specific things of what it means for you guys to lead yourselves. We, you know, to, to lead yourselves, not just say, hey, you guys go do it, right? Um, it's giving them the right parameters to understand what it means for them to go do it. Um, and we have to do that in the NBA, um, just with the nature of it. Like I've said a couple of times, and I think we can all learn uh, uh, from that at um, college and high school in the G league, wherever the case may be. Good. Okay,
1: Coach, let's jump into the, your G league experience and some of the takeaways that can help coaches understand how they can do a little bit differently.
0: So uh, the biggest thing The nature of the G League is, I think I said this, you know, in the beginning is development is greater than winning. And um, that gets hard for us super competitors that want to win every game. But it was great to hear from my boss at the time, you know, said, we don't really care how many games you win. We care whether we see improvement of the players, especially our players first. And there's many situations, actually most situations where that just isn't the case. Where people say, "Hey, don't worry about winning; just develop." But what it does, it, it allows you to learn what it means to create a culture of development, um, and again, on and off the floor. And um, we—that's all. That's all we focused on. And when you think about winning a game, right? We had to take some. Th- this scenario happened all the time. We have a player that needed needed to get better. Okay. And that player had not played well. But we also needed to win the game in this game. And so do you take that player who needs to get better out to win the game? Or do you have to figure out how to win the game with that player? And for us in the G League, it was that player cannot come out of the game. He's had a horrible game. He's been terrible. He hasn't really listened to you well this whole game. He hasn't done his job. But he needs to learn how to play in these situations. And so it was difficult. Um, and unique to figure out how to get the most out of that player in a winning situation when he was not in a winning mindset or had not played winning basketball to that point. Um, and that happens to us all the time, right? Like our best player in, in situations where we do have to win all the time, um, our best player has not played well. Um, but we can't take him or her off the floor. And so understanding how to tap into, listen, you have not played well. Let's Let's understand that. And it's okay. But here's what we have in front of us. And here's exactly what I need you to do to help us win this game. That was like what it was like all the time in the G League. Um, so that was, that, was, that was one of them, development over winning. Um, another one is adaptability. Um, the G League has changed a lot over time, especially when I was in the D League back with Maine. Um, but even when I was uh, in the G League a couple years ago is no day is ever the same. Like players getting called up. Players are, uh, you know, getting assigned to your team. Players are getting traded. Um, players are injured, whatever the case may be. Your team looks different. You're, with two-way players, it took it to a whole new level. We would go where we had one two-way player that was playing great basketball. He gets called up to the big club, and he doesn't play for a week just because they need an extra body, and then they get their healthy players back. He, he comes back to us and plays again. He has no rhythm, and but he's got to play in the game. And so learning how to adapt and um, uh, the G League, you're playing in small cities around the country. You're not playing in the big NBA markets like we do. Um, and there's just certain things with hotel Wi-Fi and things like that that just, they don't, it doesn't work. And so le- the G League teaches you how to adapt. And to be honest with you, I think it is, the G League is one of the hardest maybe the hardest le- I'm I'm cringing as you, as I'm saying this and I'm I'm making it I don't know about this completely but the hardest level to coach the other thing about the G League is everyone that's in the G League is there to leave the coaches the players the athletic trainers the shrink coaches the referees um, the, 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 the 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 GM everyone is there to leave right and so learning how to uh, get everyone on the same page. We all have different agendas. We're all trying to improve and go other places to get everyone on the same page. Um, and when one person goes off the page, you got to pull, pull them back in. Um, it, it is, that's really tough. But the G League is the ground that allows you to figure that out um, in a way that's a lot different in other places. I
1: can imagine it's incredible for development, for 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 a coach to be able to experience all these things much faster than you would in a normal season somewhere else, right? You almost get it 100%. all at once.
0: 100%. Um, it, it, it can be a lot. Uh, and, and I was really, like I said, I was, I was a D-League assistant, um, but I, was, I was, got to be a G-League head coach. And man, I went into that job my very first year thinking I was a really good coach. Like I'm coming off a couple, of years, a couple of years in the NBA, coaching college basketball. I get this head coaching job in the G-League. I'm a really good coach. I have all these great things, and it was we were seventeen and thirty three my first year, and I was absolutely miserable by the end of the year because of all those things i wanted to I wanted to really win and you know focus on development, but tried to like still tried to win games, right? I did a awful job of uh, building a a collective culture that was was um, created by the players. and so man, we were all over the place. We had. I'm going to throw out a number because I don't remember exactly, but I want to say we had probably 20 players that year on our team, right? And we had three different teams throughout the course of the year. So we had our training camp team we started with. A couple guys got called up and left. We got some new guys. We had that middle team. Um, Within that middle team, we had a couple of players from the NBA club that were assigned the whole time with us. And then at the end of the season, those guys left. And so then we had a third team. So we coached like three different teams 20 players. And I did a bad, I did an awful job of it, but it was the perfect training ground to help me understand what it means uh, to be a coach and to build a culture and to uh, develop players.
1: To me, to me, again, some of my favorite conversations have been with G league coaches uh, assistants and head coaches, just because again, they've had this massive influx of experiences in a really short time. So it's a lot of fun. And I imagine it correlates somewhat to coaching say AAU or coaching with say, you know, a state team, junior national team, wherever you are, some type of under 18 team like that, you're just brought together and you have all these situations all at once.
0: Yeah, no. And the other thing about that is, you know, when you're, I've never uh, had the opportunity to coach international or anything like that, but um, you have a really short training camp. Like the NBA, the NBA season is going, you get the G league players, you have one week until your first game. And so and these guys are coming from everywhere. They haven't played together ever. Right. And so figuring out how to, uh, you know, build the things that you want to build tactically, you know, begin to build your culture. You're not building culture in one week. Right. It's happening over the course of the year. But build that culture um, and then get players on the same page that don't know each other. That is a challenge. It's a really difficult challenge. And um, you have to be really clear, really specific. Um, and you have to do a great job of, um, communicating with your assistants about what you're looking for, because similar to what we said about college basketball, there can be no fluff there. There just isn't time for fluff. Like you have to be very clear, specific about what you need and where you're going with your
1: team. Yeah. Tremendous stuff. And, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit more about the NBA, then some of the takeaways and, uh, you know, the importance of work ethic, uh, you know, you are truly as an assistant in the NBA in service. Are you not?
0: 100%. <laughs> like what? I mean, every, every coach in the NBA, there, there's, there's a couple of coaches that probably don't have to have a service mindset, and it's because they won a million games as head coaches. The rest of us, we are serving our players. Um, I had a guy my, um, my first full year in the NBA. Uh, I'll say his name, his name is Darren Ehrman. He's with the New York Knicks right now. And he sat next to me. We, we had uh, cubicles in the back office of the, of the old Celtics facility. And um, I'm coming from the uh, uh, D-League, first year in the NBA, and every single day, every day, he told me, you are not working hard enough. You're not on the court enough with the players. You're not watching enough film by yourself. You're not watching enough film with the players. He told me every day. And at that time, in my mind, I'm like, what is he talking about? He's wrong. Like, I'm doing all these things. Um, you know, I'm, I am watching film with my players. Um, but he got really specific, and he just told me every day, every day, every day. And then I end up leaving to go to college basketball. And after about two weeks of being gone from, 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 uh, from the Celtics, I realized he was right. Like I, I was not working hard enough. And I said, at that point, I said, no one is ever going to be able to tell me that ever again, ever. The NBA is a, every, everywhere we coach is a privilege. You could be coaching, um, fifth graders. It's a privilege to be able to coach the game of basketball in the NBA at the highest level it is you know, the greatest privilege of my life. There are so many people who want to be in the position that we are in in the NBA. If you don't work hard enough, they will find someone that will. And that's the reality of it. If you don't, and, and by work hard enough, I mean, spend time learning the game, learning what's coming next in basketball in the NBA, spend time on the court with your players, spend time um, watching film, being very detailed in whatever scouting responsibilities that you have. This is the work that I'm talking about. And, and you know, I, I have a family. I have a, a three-year-old daughter and a four-month-old son. So there's a, there's a part of it that I have to work smart as well because I'm, I'm going to spend time with my family as well. Um, but if you don't work hard enough, the other pre- piece of that is the players know. Right? And so just talking about that authenticity and being who you are and building that relationship, players at this level, will not spend any time with you, care about what you say if they don't think that you work hard. And uh, I learned that the hard way. And I promised myself that, you know, <laughs> I, would let, um, I would never let anyone else say that about me. But this, this level here, it's, it's, it's all about work. Um, because, I mean, you know, we don't recruit. We don't, we don't do any of that. We, we coach basketball and that's it. Um, so you have to put in your time And the last thing I'll say, and this this is the young coach specifically, I had a, um, when I was a high school coach, um, one team came and I was in Indiana, one team came and practiced at Hinkle Fieldhouse where we play at Butler. And so I was, uh, I got to go watch the practices, NBA team practice. I had just graduated from Butler and the assistant GM of that team told me, the great thing about the NBA is there's not that many jobs. And so if you work hard, Everyone's going to know, and you're going to have a job for the rest of your life. And it's—I mean—it's it, been the reality. Like you just—just just have seen it. Coaches have gotten fired and moved on, or whatever the case may be. And those that work hard, they just keep getting jobs over and over again. The work is valuable.
1: Let's phrase hard work a little bit for coaches too, because again, we seem to think quantity is what hard work is, but it's quality and efficiency as well, right?
0: No, that I—I I think that's exactly what it is. And you know, I think. Um,
1: it's, it's, and to qualify, it's not just a hashtag on Twitter saying hashtag grinding yeah. and up at four AM, right? That's not That's what exactly we're talking right. about.
0: Hey, Chris, the only time I'm awake at four AM is, um, is when we land in a city and yeah. uh, I haven't gotten <laughs> to go to bed yet. You know, I to me about for me specifically important things are my family is, is number one. If I ever have a job where I can't spend great time with my family, then I'm not going to take that job. Um, and number two, quite honestly, is sleep. Like I I cannot perform. And the science says none of us can perform at our best without quality sleep. And, and we're all at different places in our life. Some people don't have a family. So they their capacity for working longer is more than mine. Right. But I think it's to, to find wherever you are in your life to be most efficient to get the most work done. Um, and so for me, that means when my daughter goes to bed, I, I'm up late after she goes to bed and I, I'm on my laptop in the middle of the day when I come home from work i am playing with a three-year-old girl i'm not on my laptop some people can do that but when she goes to bed that's the time that i use you know that i get to watch my film whatever the case may be finding that for you um, is working hard um efficient work is the best hard work there is in my opinion
1: love that i want people to understand that that's what you mean at that level as well and uh you know building into that then uh, i think the last major thing and I think we both agree on this because we've talked about it a lot on the podcast as well with other coaches is this concept of staff management and how the NBA does such a great job with managing or the, the good organizations and good coaches do a great job managing their staff.
0: Yeah, and this is this is something that um, in the NBA for sure I learned as a as a, as a G League coach too. I, part of that first year of doing a bad job is I didn't do a great job with staff. And so I always look out for that. I, I like to learn how people are managing their staff, you know, businesses, whatever the case may be. But in the NBA, these days, if you look at an NBA bench, I mean, there are a million people sitting on the bench, right? Um, There's obviously three coaches that sit on the bench. There's a bunch of coaches behind the bench. The staffs are huge. And I said this earlier, I think at times, as head coaches, because there's so much going on, we neglect the people that we sit in the room with every single day to try to help our players be great. I, I think we have to focus on our staff and get the most out of our staff because in turn, they'll get the most out of our players. As a head coach, you can't spend every second with every player. Um, but creating um, specific roles and uh, specific accountability to those roles and holding your coaches to doing their roles really well, um, I think is really important. In the NBA, you just can't do it. I mean, in, in, in most levels of basketball, you can't do everything but in the NBA, you're going to be spinning your wheels if you are if you think you can do everything. And the staffs are so big, none of your coaches will be, do, will be doing anything if you're doing everything. And I think to get the most satisfaction out of your staff, for them to be excited about coming to work every day, let's empower them with great responsibility um, to do great work for you and for the players. Um, I just think that's so important. I think it's something that we can't neglect. And I think we have to have, consistent check-ins with our staff to just say, how are you doing, right? Not just you didn't get that Skyrim report in on time or you did a great job with that Skyrim. How are you doing? Is there anything that you need, anything more that you need from me in your role uh, so that I can support you doing well for our team? I think the better our staffs are, um, we have a really good one here. I've been really fortunate to work with a great staff here. uh, The better our team can be
1: just incredible practical insights throughout for coaches to be able to improve their craft and improve what they do i cannot thank you enough for joining us coach
0: thanks no this is this has been great you know i feel like uh i've officially made it because (laughs) (laughs) because i get to be on the basketball podcast so thanks chris i really appreciate
1: it i'm honored and honored and wonderful to have you here thanks for listening be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and to give the basketball podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.